Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Many of you know I uh, go all around the country giving talks and formation and uh, I usually am brought in to give three talks in a day is kind of the way it works. And the first talk is called Our Hearts in a Heartless World. And it's about 45 minutes to an hour long talk. And it's basically uh, sets up and then explains and unpacks the gospel you just heard. All right. So I spend about 45 minutes normally doing it. I'm not even going to talk about it all today. All right. But it's on our podcast. So uh, if you go to basilthegreat.org and go to the podcast, go to the Detroit Talks, the first talk. All right? It's called Hearts in a Heartless World. It's a 45 to 50 minute long talk. And uh, it's right there. And I unpack this whole gospel. Uh, and my argument basically is this, is if you get this gospel right, Jesus, the thing you love the most in the world, eternal life and your humanity all come together. So what's something you love a lot? What's it have to do with Jesus? How about the church, eternal life, and your humanity? They all come together. So that's a little teaser. But on for today's homily, okay? Here we go. The very first reading today, we have this character, and he is staying in the temple of the Lord. Samuel is staying in the temple of the Lord, and he was there because he was dedicated to God from a very young age. And as he's sleeping, he's waking up because he's hearing this voice. Now, we don't know if in our spiritual tradition it was a locution, meaning audibly hearing God's voice, or if it was just this profound interior voice. But he would wake up and he would say, here I am. And there was no one in the temple, he thought. And so he would run to Eli, who was a mentor, who was a prophet, who was this wonderful figure and said, did you call? And he was like, no, I was sleeping. Go back to bed. He's like, okay. So he goes back to bed. Here's this sense again. Here's this call again. He says, here I am. And he runs to Eli and said, you called me. He goes, I didn't. This isn't, what are you doing? No. The third time, Eli realizes God is speaking to him. And so he gives him some instructions on what to do. But the line in the scripture that's so important is, Samuel didn't know it was the Lord because he was not familiar with the Lord yet. He was not familiar with the Lord yet. Notice how important this is. God is already at work in his life, already speaking to him. He's actually already able to hear him, but he didn't know it was the Lord. God's at work. God's speaking in his life. He is able to respond and hear to some degree, but had no idea it was the Lord yet. So he runs to other people, looking for them to fulfill him and give him a mission and give him an identity and a sense of purpose. They're like, what are you? This isn't. Only once he was tutored in realizing it was the Lord speaking to him did his identity and mission as Samuel, which we have a whole book of the Bible here to unpack this, come to light. His identity, his purpose, his mission came to light when he began to understand the voice, the presence, the activity 
already going on was actually the Lord. This has been one of the great joys in my priesthood, is to help people recognize what they're already hearing in prayer, what they're already thinking about and feeling and remembering is actually God answering their prayers. I asked one of the people I had worked with recently if I had permission to tell their story, and they said yes. So please don't worry if you come to meet with me. I'm just going to expose your soul to the world. Not the case. All right, I'll always ask your permission. And this person was free to say no, I would have been fine. But they said I could. Lucky for me. Saved me time and homily prep. So we had been working together a little bit, and, and they had a tough college years. They're out of college many years now in their vocation. But they had a pretty difficult uh, college career, if you will. A lot of pain and a lot of loneliness. Feeling pretty alone and all sorts of factors led to this, but nonetheless, it was a tough four years. And I asked them, I said, well, how about for the next month before we meet, why don't you ask Jesus, Jesus, would you show me how you saw me in college? How did you feel about me in college? Would you show me that? And they said, yeah, I can do that. It's okay. So we get back together a month later, and, and I go, okay, so how was your prayer? And they said, well, I said it, and nothing really happened, which is how most of us answer the prayer question. Hey, did God say anything in your prayer? You're like, no, 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 I just, but I did it. I went. I was good. And Oh, okay. And I said, oh, okay, well, you were praying with this for a month. Like, as you were doing it, what were you thinking about, you know? And they said, well, I was led back to this memory when I broke my leg. And here I am in campus with like kind of one crutch, a big backpack full of books, trying to get across the campus, up a flight of stairs into my next building. And I was in pain and I was struggling and it was really hard. And they're like, and I just had this memory of like out of nowhere, this huge football player was like, can I just carry you? You look miserable. And picked him up and carried him right into the building. This person said, I never really even saw that football player again. And I go, what were you praying for again? They said, well, I was asking Jesus to show me how did he see me and how did he feel about me in college. I said, what was your memory again? They said, well, I was hurting and struggling and alone and someone just picked me up and carried me because they felt bad for me. They wanted to help me out. I said, what did you pray about again? <laughs> they said, I asked. And then when they were about to, they go, oh, We all laugh, but this is happening in your own prayer time as well. See, we need the scriptures. We need church teaching. We need the saints. We need that to understand the truth of who God is, who Jesus is, who we are. We need the grace of the sacraments to be illuminated and to be open to hear his voice because spiritually speaking, we all got a lot of earwax. So we need help to unclog but the richest parts of our faith is when all of these realities get translated in your life. When they begin to make sense with you. God is love and any lover wants to translate their heart in a way that the beloved can understand. So parents will get down on the ground and play with their kids. They don't have to say, I love you. The kid senses it. Big dad came down and played with me. It was the best. 
They know that they, they're loved because in their world, dad now is doing a tea party with his daughter. They get it. It translates to them, I'm loved, I'm wanted, I'm cared about. But in their own little tea party language. This person needed to know the heart of God during their college years. What did God use to communicate that? An actual memory. Because that's what this person knew the best. I know my story the best. So when I ask God, speak to me, it shouldn't surprise us that at times he's going to use actual memories. But at the time, we might not have noticed it as God. But God's now using it as the language of his communication of love to our hearts. Samuel in the first reading was already hearing God, already responding, but was unfamiliar with him still. It would take some training, some time. I remember when I first started learning this, I was in the seminary, and if anyone could have heard my prayer the last three years in the seminary, they would have thought I was nuts. I would ask the Lord something, and then I would get a memory. Let's say uh, a memory, I remember one of the times was on Christmas morning, my dream was to get a G.I. Joe command center. And I found out later on my cousin stayed up all night putting it together for me and woke up in the morning, it was the coolest thing ever. So I woke up and I remember seeing it and just, man, like a little boy heart exploded with excitement. And when I was asking the Lord one time, I think, I think what I was asking, if I remember correctly, I don't remember exactly, was like, Jesus, what do you want to do for me? What are you trying to do for me? And then that memory kept coming up. Now, at first, I got rid of it. It's a distraction. Thinking of Christmas morning when I was seven, whatever. Okay, Jesus, what do you want to do for me? And then that memory started coming up. I was like, what is this? And so this was my prayer, off, always when these things would happen. Jesus, is this you or is this me? Because sometimes we can just be thinking about things and be distracted, right? We all know that in prayer. But sometimes it's not a distraction. Sometimes your very life is the thing he's using to say, I love you. I want you fully alive. I have plans for you that involve you being joyful, free, happy, grateful, loved, blessed. How do those words take on flesh? Well, he has to use things that we would understand. I wasn't alive 100 years before Jesus. Some of these images are lost on us when we read Scripture. So we can learn and study what they might have meant to the people. And we need to. But when he starts speaking your own story to you, now you come alive. Now you realize you are a part of God's love story. That he's trying to draw you in. And if this sounds strange or like, what? Read any saint you want. Just pick one. They are the fullest expression of what he's trying to do with every one of us. Take our real lives, opening it to Jesus so it can shine brightly like a stained glass window. Right now, if you were to look in the back, our big stained glass window it's kind of dark because it's getting dark outside. There's some colors. It's a little difficult to make out what it is. That's how most of us feel when we pray. 
well, we're there and something's happening and okay. But what if he wants to shine the light of Christ's love through you so that your life story would be what that stained glass window looks like at noon? Tons of colors, epic, big, beautiful, meaningful. It doesn't come automatically. We have a role to play. My role was Jesus. Is this you or is this me? Our prayer is not infallible. So we can't go running around, God told me to do this. God told me that you would give me $100 tonight, so all of you have to do that. I'm so sorry. That's what he said. Our prayer isn't infallible, right? But it's indispensable if you're going to call yourself a Christian. It is part of the batter. It's not sprinkles. It's part of the batter of following Jesus. And maybe we need to open up a little bit more in our personal prayer times. Say, Lord, what are you trying to show me and say to me? And maybe the thoughts and memories, the people and feelings that come to mind aren't distractions. Maybe the, the very stuff that God is using to communicate to you something very intimate and powerful. Amen.